aside from a few questionable substitutions. Hey, whoa. He's talking no, about no, it's not you guys. It's not you guys. It's the Vocal Minority Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast. The podcast that was going to let Victor Vasquez do the intro, but Michael Bradley told us he couldn't. On this week's show, we look back at a dominating performance over the fire, look ahead to this week's match against the Dynamo, and much more. Now to this week's panel. Again, Vasquez wanted to do his intro, but Seva told him no. It's Mark Hinckley. He did. It's true. I know. I'm sorry. The crying was... Well kept, I must say. You couldn't really see it from our He's stoic. I guess that's what it is. Joining us today is VMP Super Sub from MLS.backslash underscore TFC subreddit ampersand flat caps. It's James Rossi. Glad to be back. Hamstrings are nice and limber. It's been a while, so we'll see how it goes. How many points do you have in your notes this week? I kept it to a single page. This is, this is unheard of. I, I feel like we're yeah, podcasting no, from an alternate universe, and he's going to like just pull notes out from like underneath his hat or something. Is that a magnifying glass in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> You're just happy to see it. Loopholes, damn it! All right, joining us today in his first call-up as a sub, joining us from All In Sports Talk, the host of TFC Talk, it is Steve Gennaro. Yeah, just, you know, working hard in training and, uh, you know, just, just keep going hard and hopefully get the chance to come up and uh, you know say the right thing and hope it works out and that's all you can do really is put your best in in training and hope your name gets called just hope yeah just hope my name gets called and just just try and work hard and 110 percent and 110 percent wait for the 110 percent do a shot <laughs> oh waiting for my cliches god that was good it's good as for me, I also tried to get Vasquez for my intro, but I got a mysterious call telling me that if I knew it was good for me, I'd back off. <laughs> I am your host, Kristen Knowles. Back off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. As for Tony and Duncan, uh, you know, it looks like they've Ooh. abandoned. I know. Uh, they're off doing some sort of pie-eating, mascot-meeting podcast in uh, London. So as long as, not as long as they're not eating mascot pies. That's disgusting. Ew. Eh, googly eyes. And all Can't that. be any worse than eel. True. I was going to say Tony will be like angry when you say that, but he doesn't listen anyway, so it's okay. Anything you want to be, you got to know, man. First up on our show, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for joining yeah, us today. Thank Thanks for being fill-ins for us. We appreciate it. Lovely to have you back, Steve. Good to have you on. Brilliant. And first up on the show, of course, is the fire post match. So, all right, that was unexpected not to a certain degree. You. Certainly not what I was planning for, but it was fun. That was lots of fun. Uh, we finally got to see TFC that we'd enjoyed through much of last year. You know, a team that had energy, a team that for the most part worked well together. Uh, they competed for every ball, scored some goals, and for the most part, you know, TFC were hitting on all cylinders for Friday night. It was really lovely to see. Justin Morrow had a great night at the back um, and mostly stayed back, which was also good. Uh, Michael Bradley, calmly in control of the middle. Again, vast improvement over the week before. Uh, Nifty Nephew had his best game as a red. Good job, Zavs. Vasquez set up 
just about everything. And Seba scored one of his trademark free kicks and had, for the most part, a very good game. We'll talk about the end after. <laughs> there was, of course, the second-hand goal. Wow, what happened at the end? Well, we'll, we'll tell you all about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> The, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the second half goal to David Akam, and uh, Josie looked a little bit slow through parts of the night. Like That wasn't his highlight night. Um, but overall, very strong performance by the team to basically help sort of dispel rumblings of their shaky form of late, at least from this side of the table. Mm-hmm. The other side, however, might have a different opinion. Uh, no, it was, you know what, that was a fun game to be at. And um, yeah, no, absolutely not what I expected. I certainly didn't, I didn't expect them to win. I figured if anything, a high goal scoring draw, which is what I called for. And I wouldn't have been surprised had that happened. Uh, so that was... Your optimism. I know, right? I didn't even pick him to score a goal. I know you didn't. Really? Don't no. you feel no. silly? I thought uh, I thought going into the game that Toronto would score a lot of goals, actually. I thought that the game was set up nicely for them to be explosive. And I, I think I tweeted out before the game that Seba was going to score a brace or more. And, uh, and, and then we had some fun in the press box about that. Every time a goal was scored, I was kind of dancing around a little bit. And uh, be- I thought there was no celebrating in the press box. Well, no, I wasn't celebrating Seba's goals. This was goals. personal celebration? This was, I was celebrating. support a team. I, 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 I was, oh, I I was see, celebrating, celebrating my, himself. My, yes, own, yeah. my own call of the, of, of, gotcha. the Seba, of the Seba brace. And I think for me what it was was, uh, you know, I went back and I sort of crunched some numbers on sort of Seba's goal-scoring rate as a player in MLS. I was told there would be no math. Yeah, that's right. Don't worry. I failed grade 11 math three times. You know how hard it is to fail the same course three times? Well, grade 11 math is the work of the devil, so... (laughs) You have to try to fail something three times. but when I, when, I, when I put the numbers together, what it suggested was Seba was long overdue for a multi-goal game. He scores uh, multi-goal games almost once every five games in his MLS career. And he had been nine games since the last one. So it, you, could just, you could see that it was coming. Over the last couple of games, I felt that he was getting closer to, to being explosive, but not quite there. And I thought that a little bit more of the warmer weather would help him. And I also felt that the, the emphasis on Chicago's midfield or desire to play the ball through that midfield, especially with Schweinsteiger and Dax and Janino, would actually benefit uh, Seba because he wouldn't have to come as deep to collect the ball. So I really thought that those three things together, we were going to give him an opportunity to be explosive. And within the first two or three minutes, I felt you could see right away that he was on his game. So I was I was quite happy about that. And I, I thought Toronto FC would actually blow them out. Chicago, although they had won the last two games with Schweinsteiger, uh, they were both home games. They hadn't played on the road. Schweinsteiger had never played on the road in MLS. He'd never been to Toronto. He did a little bit of tourist work since he got here. So I thought that was going to help us. I thought the weather might also benefit us. I thought TFC played very physical against him. That would benefit. And I was pretty certain, uh, given the fact that there had been two red cards against Chicago, or against the team facing Chicago over previous weeks, that Toronto pretty much would have had to commit murder to get a red card in this game. So I felt fairly strongly for, that it was going to, uh, you know, allow them um, a lot of opportunities. So I, I, I was op- optimistic, and then of course we saw uh, that kind of play itself out. Actually, since you bring up the ref, I was, you know, Petrescu is a bit of a lightning rod in terms of a ref for many people. I actually thought that was one of his better games. Um, yes. In the fact that yes. he just decided not to call anything for the longest time. He was like, nope, get up, play on. No, nope, you get up, play on. He, he, he let a lot of stuff go, and I appreciate that. Anything that was really a foul, I think he stepped in and he called. But I think he let a lot of the little things go that maybe some coaches right now are very much sort of coaches refs are all in on calling because they're you know they have a new mandate on things they need to call this year but I thought for the most part he 
called a pretty good game. We're not going to talk about the handball because we're just going to talk about it. But I think you're also right, too. I think early on he set the tone as to what was going to be acceptable. And that's one of the issues, I think, with MLS refing is the players never know what to expect from game to game. The fans mm-hmm. don't either. And I think with Sebo, part of his success, I don't you tell me. Like, I think with Seba, part of his success is when a referee allows another team to be very physical with him, he, I find he struggles, at least in my opinion. Oh, sure. Well, he and, gets he gets, he gets angry he and gets, he shuts and, down. And he shuts and... down. And I thought in this game very early on, uh, it was made sort of very clear that uh, extra shots on Seba weren't going to be tolerated. And I think he had a little bit of space to maneuver. And he got a couple early free kicks in his favor. And I think that the, the game opened up for him in part because of that as well. What do you think, James? you think you agree with that or no? Um, yeah, I think... I think, as you said, Seville was very much due for that sort of performance. And, you know, we were speaking with Greg Vanny today, and and he sort of let on that in his quest for the perfect game, the unattainable perfect game, he was sort of disappointed they didn't get six or seven. Like, that was sort of the impression that he got of the game, was that they they were as dominant as they've been in any game this year, and they probably could have had more. Oh, absolutely. I agreed with that. I I mean, Seba could have easily had five, uh, and... And, and I imagine if they'd let him play the entire 90 minutes, he probably could have gotten a sixth. Uh, he was he was having a hell of a game. My my pessimism with the game was more of form, not so much Toronto's form. I mean, that was part of it, but how other teams were kind of handling Toronto. Yeah. They seemed to figure it out how to deal with the attack, a fairly one-dimensional attack. And Chicago just backed right off. It, there didn't seem to be as much... Uh, you know, doubling up the man marking on Javinko as in previous in every game so far this season, and he was given the space and and when they had that space, the ball was moving left and right, like in the final third, which was something I have not seen this season. Well, yeah, there was we were remarking about how much space there was out there, which was the worst idea for Chicago to ever come up with. I don't know if that's a talent thing, a deliberate strategy or something, they, that's just well, what they do. I think they really relied on their midfield. I think they really thought, because of how they've been playing at home, that, you know, Dax Janino and Schweinsteiger would have, would take care of things and sort of break all that up. Vasquez was hardly marked at all, which was ridiculous, because mm-hmm. he just ran around doing whatever he wanted through much of the game. Delgado could have built a cottage in the space he had more than once, kind of like... Like he was surrounded by green as far as the eye could see. I think a good portion of that, as Steve mentioned, comes down to the refereeing in the sense that if if Seba is able to have a run of the game and and the other team basically hacking down the other team's best player is a is a time tested way of sort of keeping a lid on a game. Mm-hmm. And when when that option is taken away, and it is such a variable there is very little consistency game to game in terms of what's going to be allowed and what's going to be punished and how the game is going to go. And so if you look back at the first six games of the season or whatever, um, there were a good number of teams who were sort of getting away with, with having somebody draped all over. Like I guess the, the um, best example is the, the David Horst Sebastian Jovinko thing where like you have a six foot five defender sort of draped all over you and you get called for a foul and when that happens then yeah why do you try yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um in addition to that I think I think we have a tendency to sort of go a little flavor of the month with teams sometimes like we saw Chicago put in three good performances with their midfield and we sort of forgot that hey their back line's not great and their goalkeeper seems to be a little bit afraid of shots and you know and he's like 103, so. I think I, I think that was an interesting point, too. That might have been part of the strategy. Like, last week I said to, to Greg Vanny in training, I said, 
how do you get Sebastian Javinko going? I thought, and he, made, he gave me a look. I guess it was a stupid question, but at the same time, how do you get Sebastian Javinko going? Fair question. One goal, no assists, first six games, right? Well, yeah. He only played five, but still, you know. So what what do you need to do? And I, I really felt that take a lot of shots is is Javinko's thing, anyways. But the type of shots he took in the match were really different. I had never seen him strike sort of laces down consistently, yeah, right? Yeah, everything, most of the strike, most of them were fairly low. Yeah, yeah, and they were like knuckleballers and they were bouncing and, and, and it, so Chicago seemed very uncomfortable from the beginning and I, I think that might have been a strategy to like just put mm. as many balls towards the net as you possibly can and keep turning their back line, look for rebounds, you know, and maybe the keeper's going to mess things up, get some corners out of it and I think that that was part of the strategy too and and we hadn't seen that in there and Charles Char- has been trying to score the perfect goal all season. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and, like and pass, opposite, pass, right? touch, 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 and this like, is like the absolute, absolute opposite. Like, yeah, like let, not, not the, let's get a messy goal. Let's get an ugly just goal. Just go on instinct. Yeah, let, let's, let's just play a little bit. And Cooper, like uh, not getting the start, I thought was interesting. And you talk about how much space there was. I, I like Cooper. I think he's very skilled. I'm not one of the people who's like oh, I don't like Cooper. And there's a lot of people out there who are like that. Uh, but I, like I think we saw the difference between Cooper and Delgado in this match and what it does for creating space. Delgado quickly moves the ball, gets the ball moves the ball very quickly. So he's recycling play very, very quickly. Well, Delgado doesn't the want the ball at his feet, though. Cooper does. And that's it. Cooper keeps taking um, that extra touch. Cooper, that extra Cooper touch. invites pressure on, and that slows yeah. everything on. Yeah. He, he, yeah. The, the image you have of Cooper playing a football game is his back to somebody else, yeah. holding them off Absolutely. while he maintains possession. And that's a very useful skill to have, but it's not going to help you get upfield faster before the other team can set up. And I think right. that closes the space out a little bit too. So Javinko, Josie, these are the, are the more skilled players on TFC have less less space to operate in because everything's just a little bit tighter. Whereas when you're moving the ball really quickly, uh, you know, you can find those gaps and really exploit them. All right, moving on. Moment of the match. James. I need to go last because I have several. So oh, I'm going to say one that you guys sakes. didn't pick. Steve. Fine. Uh, can I just cherry pick the obvious one? Yep. Javinko free kick under the corner. That was I mean, cool. Uh, the corner, the top corner. That I mean, it was, it was so good that I think it was a slow burn in the stadium. Figuring out did that, did that go in? Well, because we couldn't all see it yeah. because of. But even some just flag the crowd reaction, like, the <laughs> like the crowd started. They got audible when I when I recognized. Oh, that did go in. So I'll, uh, that was crazy. Also, too, and I said this to Kristen at the stadium. Duncan would have rolled over in his grave if he had been dead. That's how good of a free kick that was. <laughs> I did hear some grumbling from England. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. That was a great free kick. I, I, I had a different one. My favorite moment in the match was about 48 minutes into the match, so early in the second half. And it actually didn't result in a goal, but it was Vasquez uh, had the ball, and uh, Raheem Edwards was running up the left-hand side. And everyone was basically yelling at Vasquez. You could feel collectively in the stadium for him to pass the ball to Edwards, and he didn't. He kind of turned his body a little bit to the right, and then two seconds later, he unleashes this beautiful pass into space out of nowhere, and now Edwards is in just all alone. And while it, the play didn't work out, I thought Edwards took an extra touch. He probably yes. should have striked yeah. it immediately. Yeah. It he speaks did. a little bit about sort of the youth of the player and always trying to like defer to other people, etc. I thought that pass right there just shows you that TFC has nowhere near like the peak of play that they have the ability to get to. And once this guy beds in with this team and they start to figure out how to move the pitch, here's a guy who can really see the field in a way. I, I, like Bradley's a great passer. Sheru's a great passer. But I mean, that pass from Vasquez, that was beautiful. That's, I, that's, I would, some, I would, that's something you don't see yeah, very well, often in this league, never mind in TFC. Right yeah. now, only having Vasquez for a few games, I would actually, I've moved Vasquez above Sheru's passing abilities. And I love Sheru. That is my favorite thing about him. Love Benny. But 
well, I said in the preseason or sort of when they when they signed Vasquez that to me he is he is another Sheru for them. Mm-hmm. Um, with, He's a little bit younger, a little bit more attacking. Yeah. Ben's more of a tempo a tempo setter. He is, which is great, but it's good to have both of them and to have a bit of a different a different feel and a different look. But I, I was like I applauded that because this team long has been short on football smarts, like really mm-hmm. solid intelligence on the pitch and. The more we watch Vasquez, I think the more you see that. Um, for me, mine was a Vasquez pass that didn't go where it was supposed to, but it sort of plays off what you're saying. It was the one he sent to Marky that Marky didn't run onto. Oh yeah, that it was his. It was oh. it was Delgado's like biggest misstep yeah. of the game, oh where I was like, but. No one. No. Okay. <laughs> I think I think I may have yelled at him. I, I was um, I was I, ready for sub. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think he might have heard you too because yeah. I think he walked back with like his head down. Oh like, my after that god! Play. Like it was I was so just, good. It was like like that's a pass I do in FIFA and it works. And it was beautiful. <laughs> and I don't normally get things to work in that game. But that sort of speaks to one of the issues that I think the team has had with Vasquez, and it's not a bad issue. It's just in them catching up it to him. It takes time to butt in. It takes um, time to get things to, working. And to get to used to having a player that sees the pitch that way that is looking at like six different options at once and will make that decision manipulate time to do the thing when it is the most opportune yeah Yeah. sees the matrix slow slow the game put your foot on the ball slow the whole game down shift it one way shift it the other and even even what you were saying before about edwards like we all saw the pass was there but but taking that extra bit of time to threw off the defenders all the defenders facing the other way before you play it is just it's another level yeah all right what's your moment um, I'm going to steal two moments because people didn't bring these ones up. Oh there you God. go. It's so right. greedy. The first one is Seba's first goal. All right, I know the free kick was amazing, oh, but, no, the, first but goal the angle was... that I had on the first goal was From there was high. something different about Seba in this game, and the way that he sort of like took the defender in his hand and then just sort of like positioned him as perfectly as he wanted and got him to open up his legs and then looked at the goalie and said, "I'm putting it over there to the far side," and then, and then just didn't cut his shot right back. It was just such a dirty, dirty goal. It was, it was amazing. You know, what's funny about that goal. My favorite part of that goal wasn't actually Seba scoring the goal. It was the pass two passes before from Delgado because Delgado the ball I, I, again. I'm in love with Marky Delgado. I'll just say say what it is. You know, I mean, yeah. I th- I think, oh, it's fine. I think what he does. I want to see the Marky back that we saw the first year he played in Toronto. Anybody who wants to run like that for that long for that long and who wants to pass the ball that often, I think belongs in this lineup because it makes everybody better. But on that play there, the ball comes to Delgado and everybody want in the stadium wants him to push the ball out wide to the right, whether it to be Beta Shore or to whoever's running on there and there's an option to move the ball there. Instead he cuts the ball back into traffic to where Vasquez is with his back to the net and then Vasquez collects it, gives it to Seba and that's what creates that goal. And I just thought, you know what, that's a nice little touch that has been missing uh, in in this lineup in the first six games. And I think that I, I like seeing them play the ball at their feet into the, into those spaces. And just again, both the plays I liked move 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 the defense one way and then and then actually position the ball in the opposite direction. I think that that's exactly what they brought Vasquez in for. Is he's the guy that you want on the ball in those dangerous areas. So I mean, like you can you can play a, a fullback in down the side, but that's not where you're going to do your damage. He needs to shoot more, though. Vasquez needs to shoot more. No, he, 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 he will. He will. Second moment. Second moment is Michael Bradley getting in the face of Bastian Schweinsteiger after <laughs> Schweinsteiger got a little too friendly <laughs> with Jonathan Osorio there, and yeah, it was, it was like, I know you're new to this league, but we don't put up with that sort of crap. It was, it was pretty funny. All right, man of the match. Vasquez. Vasquez. Mostly because I felt bad for him not getting to have his nope. turn. Mostly because <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. Oh, that he was amazing. Yeah, but, but yeah, the, the body language was thing. just 
Oh, we're going to talk. Fly on that ball. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I have to go next. Yes. All right, oh, mine's Marky. Yeah, I'm Marky. I, 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 I wow. Yeah. I, I did not notice his. Look at the lineup. Genius. No, I would have. I, I can lineup. see that. The only change. One change. And Marky Delgado. And the whole the, the whole game changed. Marky Delgado games he started. Toronto FC have won twelve of the last twenty two games he started, and have collected nine uh, points in nineteen of the last twenty two games that he started. So that's basically ninety percent of the games he started they've collected points in. Because for me, what Delgado. So the second half of last season, they were horrible without him. Yes. Actually, that 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 there there is a stretch actually from the Montreal game that they lose at home, uh, where, no. with uh, where Cooper basically comes in and, and takes a lot of minutes away from Del, Del, Delgado Chapman and their ability to close out games and get three points from then until the end of the season is really a lot of struggle. What I like about Delgado is this, the the amount of running he does frees up Michael Bradley to play a different role, and when you put Bradley there with Cooper and uh, uh, Vasquez, for example. Bradley has to do the Delgado role of all of that running, and you, while doing his other yeah, you know what I mean. Like the, well, I, I think there's a trust issue as well. If he trusts at least trusts Vasquez more, and once the rest of the team trusts Vasquez more, he won't have to feel the need to do as much of that. Someone's got to carry the water though. No, he, Vasquez he is a carries. different. Uh, Vasquez is going to be playing not, in a totally different part of the pitch. This is this is. Um, we almost sort of want Vasquez to have no defensive duties. Yes, yes. Aside Agreed. from aside from closing the ball down in center circle, like you want him up there with. Not as high as as Jovinko uh, and Altador, but yes, yes. Uh, listen, there's no ar- no argument here. Pardon me, nope. Mister, who argued with me for twenty minutes, you half an hour on Twitter. I, would, I, I was just seeing how 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 well versed you were in the, in, the, in the dark arts. The intricacies. Of the <laughs> I think you could even make the argument that that Greg did make a change in the three five two, where where Marky was more alongside Michael. Yes. Then, then somebody was playing up alongside Victor. Basically, when when Armando was on there or when Osorio was on there, they were playing alongside Victor on the, as a, a flat part of a triangle in that middle. And this was the flat, the base of the triangle was in front. All right. Of that well, that leads into Vanny Tactics very nicely. So we're gonna do a brief, brief touch on Vanny Tactics. Bullshit. I, I have nothing to say. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, the only as we as we've now been discussing. So basically, we're doing Vanny Tactics, and you guys just didn't even know it. I tricked you into it. Nah. Um, Boiled again. What Delgado's basically, we what just did I agree extended to? the amount of time into Vanny Tactics. Shut up. You know. Um, Delgado's <laughs> inclusion seemed a surprise, but other than missing a couple passes from Vasquez, Marky looked very good. Again, a return back to form we saw from him when he first started uh, with the team, which is very nice to see because you can throw out your stats from how the team plays with or without him. You can't dispute that he struggled for a good swath of last season. Previous season, much stronger play. Um, so he had a bit of a sophomore TFC slump. Um, and, and I again, and I'm a, I'm a fan of Marky Delgado. I, I like him a lot. I was happy when they brought him on. I have supported him on the podcast, in match previews, and on Twitter more than once. And so I'm happy to see this Marky again, who looks much more certain, who looks much more focused, um, and has that energy. Oh, no, he's pulling out things. No, oh, I, look at all the writing. The two you guys of, were worried do about Do the two me. of you sit together and, Are those like, your notes that he's got? No, like, are you kidding me? Mr. MLS sits in the front <laughs> row of the press box. I, we don't is sit this, together. Is this your workaround? It's clever as shit. No question. <laughs> oh, my God. Who did you just 
come on here and I, talk? I knew you guys I, would check my we bag. Need writing samples, both of you. <laughs> now, <laughs> I would say that from uh, June, yes. from June until August, uh, Delgado Chapman, the two of them, and the play from them in in the midfield was, uh, you know, a significant reason both why Josie got and going and supported by Sheru. Yeah, and absolutely supported by Sheru. But Sheru can't play that role if he doesn't have the young legs behind him to cover the field. That's the same thing that Delgado does. But for they Bradley can't well. play those things without someone like Sheru. For sure, him. it's a combination. It's a team game within the midfield. Yeah. But you but you need different players to play different roles. And when when you don't have Will Johnson or you don't have Marky Delgado playing that role, and both of those players were largely pulled from the lineup from August on, when you lose that pit bull in the middle, that that, that uh, aggression, that energy, that you know, that, that runner. Just that, drive. It's real. Someone's got to carry the water. Greg someone's is so fond of calling. Stop saying that. It's so true, though. But stop yeah. it. I'm thirsty. Both of you. <laughs> Seriously. Did you swallow a book of sports cliches no, today? Greg is fond of talking about Marky's engine, and yeah, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. the engine. Well, they don't have the engines that run on water yet. <laughs> <laughs> so they well play. no they're air, they're water cooled not water power um so I, I i like marky a lot but listen if there is a player who does what marky does but better at a higher level then absolutely bring that person in i just felt that the purchasing of cooper was a good was a good buy at the time because what we needed was creativity as a team and well and there was injured up. players and, and no one knew when they were you know i actually and, think this is this is a little bit out of left field but i kind of think that they brought cooper in with an eye to Concacaf. And having something very I do different. too. And yeah. then when CONCACAF things got changed. Yeah, he's a he's a very useful player and there will be games where we're fun. having also, him when they brought him in, they weren't they, Greg like Greg was playing a little bit of three five two, you remember, but it really it wasn't it, it wasn't embedded in it, it wasn't their system. Now this is this is his thing. Like I mean and so the argument that we had on Twitter the other day about this wasn't you me arguing with you. What I was trying to say basically was I've asked Greg a million times. Like this, this is his thing now. Oh, I know so, Greg is stubborn. So and I'm I, very aware. So this is sort of where they're at. So when they brought Cooper in, I don't think they saw themselves as a three-five-two team. And so Cooper plays, I think, a, a better role in a, in a in a different setup than than this one. I don't know how he okay. fits into three. We're not talking about Armando Cooper right now because oh. he's not playing right now. We're talking about Marky Delgado. But he did play every game until the last one. That is true. That was the change. Mm-hmm. Um, but since you guys are so high on the hog on on Marky for very good reasons, for now, um, and talking about. Jay Chapman being similar. So when does Jay Chapman get his turn? Well, he got he got a few he, minutes. He was out there. He got he got he got subbed yeah, in. He got, he got what minutes. like two minutes? You have looked at the schedule for this month, right? No, I've, I haven't talked about Completely it. At all. I haven't. It hasn't like come up <laughs> so ever. He, so he got so Jay Jay had no minutes this year until he got subbed in just I recently, know that. and he had basically no minutes last year from the time that that Cooper yes, arrived, like zero whatsoever. But in, in games that he started, they were f- five five wins, two losses, three draws last season, taking 15 of 30 points away. I'm just telling you, like those are the numbers. Jay's done a good a job. At the door. <laughs> I have a shredder right there. Well, then I'm you need to turn it on. I'm going to plug it in. Jay's done a good job. He, 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 deser- he deserves numbers. He deserves, yeah. he deserves more minutes. All right, moving on from this, because you're going to keep reading things <laughs> off pieces of paper. No. Jay, Jay will get his minutes over the month of May. Yes, I know. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. Greg's agent. Ah. Burn. Got you, son. Well, that's Marky's agent over there. So Burn. All right, Seba. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who? <laughs> this guy that plays for the team. You may oh, not yeah. have heard of him. Okay, so. You're saying Vasquez wrong? Yes. So there's, you know, a little bit of drama in the game on uh, Friday that wasn't of sort of the, the, the fun thing. Seba, who, you know, passionate player, petulant player. Um, I put down petulant brat or passionate competitor. He's both, in my opinion, um, in a tiny little 
emotional package. Um, when he was subbed <laughs> off, Fair. you know, obviously, you know, Seba was having a good night. It was when, that was probably that's the best night he's had in six eight months, other than that game against New York. Yeah. Uh, during the playoffs, you know, he's he's struggled for longer than just this season. And so it was great to see him out there, as you're saying, trying different shots and being really active. And actually, he passed the ball a couple times. It was really delightful um, and passed it thoughtfully. So that was good, too. So he got two goals, two very nice goals. Um, certainly probably could have had a couple more, depending on how the, you know, the goal gods had allowed. Late in the game, Greg Vanney subbed him off as a way for him to get a standing ovation, which he got instantly, the entire stadium up on their feet, cheering, clapping. Seba having none of it. Literally stormed off the field. I'm not sure what he knocked over in the tunnel, um, but he knocked something over in the tunnel. There was the velvet rope. Stanchion. Oh, okay, so that's what it was. I don't so. think it was a stanchion, because a stanchion is, it was like the uh, a rope with metal poles. Those are stanchions. That was keeping the Is fans. that out of stanchions? That's a stanchion. <laughs> those are stanchions? Those are stanchions. I thought stanchions were something a little more physical. Than no, those I think ropes. you're thinking of a zebra. No, I you know what a zebras. zebra looks like. <laughs> Anyways, Stanch- that's a stanchion. <laughs> um, and then, you know, left long before the press got anywhere near the log. And like, he had left BMO Field before everyone, you know, before the game was over, basically. And uh, so, yeah, so there's been... A variety of reactions to that. We, you know, everyone noticed it when it happened. Pretty much no matter where you sat, you could see it. Because you, you feel the emotion radiating off of Seba no matter where he is. Uh, he may be tiny, but his emotions his are not. His aura is That's massive. That's the atomic part of him. It is, yes. Yeah. His aura is atomic. Um, so there's Thankfully, been... it has a relatively short half-life. <laughs> oh! Science Ooh. jokes. Wow. James with the Science, highbrow. Science, son. Dropping um, knowledge shit. Bill Nye over here. Mm. What's going on? Um, so it's been a, you know, a variety of reactions to it, depending on who you are, fan, journalist. Um, some people are upset by it. Some people are like, oh, you just have to deal with it. That's just seven. You know, you have to allow for it. And Is that what they sound like? That's how I imagine Kurt sounds like when he says things like that, yeah. Hi, Kurt. I, I, I know you're not listening. Um, and if you are, hi. Um, he, he totally listens, by the way. Does he really? Absolutely. Excellent. Hi, Kurt. Hi, um, Kurt. <laughs> I'm sure you'll miss Duncan over the last over the next couple weeks. Um, he can't hear him anyway. He's blocked. That's true. <laughs> no, no, but if he listens, then he can hear him. No, I thought that's how it worked. The block no, was just, no, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not, automatically filtered it's not out. Everything. Sorry, is he, block, is he blocked Duncan? Oh, yeah, ages ago. Oh. Anyway, um, you know, nice. Kurt's nice. not the only one that said it, though, right? It's, well, it's, what does he have? What do you have to do? Sorry, what, kind of, what do you have to do to get blocked by Kurt Larson? Because I mean, like, he usually just retweets most of the ridiculous abuse that he gets. You you have to go to a whole different level to get blocked by him. I'm you sure. would I don't have know if it was to, ridiculous abuse. I it think really it was just straight up legit abuse. Duncan's persistent. It's like calling somebody like names, <laughs> yeah. and then Duncan's like, "No facts." Yeah, like, Duncan's really. When, when Duncan doesn't have much to do at work, Duncan's persistent. <laughs> anyway, oh, you know what? Kurt was the only one to say it. You know, other other have said it. And although my my only thing with quibble with Kurt is that he blames it on us being Canadian and that we expect our athletes to act a certain way. And I, I like my athletes to have some passion. I like actually like arrogant athletes for the most part. Um, I do think there is a line to cross. I do wish Vanny hadn't apologized. Really? I do. I I, I think I, I wish he hadn't said I made a mistake. 
if he just said he didn't say he made a mistake, he, he said he miscalculated. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. There's a difference I'm, I'm, between I miscalculated. Yeah. Yeah, but no. Well, but he, I, I, actually, actually, I think his words, his actual words, I think were, I think I may have made a mistake. Yeah. Hold on, I think I have the audio here. I can probably pull it up. <laughs> oh want. my god. It's um, in my notes. Let me check. <laughs> anyway, it's it's just like Wait, I is that a full transcription? <laughs> I think that handwritten by Greg Vanny. I think that I think there's merit in not expecting fans to accept. You know, we you know, and maybe it's maybe it's just us. Mm. We don't enjoy when Seba is being a brat on the pitch when he is complaining and sucking into himself and shrinking into himself when things aren't going his way. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't enjoy that from any athlete over a consistent period of time. I get it every now and again. Like I said, I know he's a passionate player, and I appreciate a, a player that cares that much. I do. However, there has to be a little bit of composure. Like you can't just be an asshole all the time. It can't just be all about you. I think it, I think this sort of goes to the split in Toronto. You know, Toronto, at least in sports terms, has sort of prided itself on being blue-collar. Like, if you look at the guys who are the heroes with the Maple Leafs, you know, your Wendell Clarks, your Dougie Gilmores. Like, these aren't these aren't the, the fancy players. No, of Wendell the Clark there. is a top three draft. Are, 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 are you saying Matt Sandin not, wasn't he, popular here? Got, no, I'm not. He's got Gretzky numbers. I'm not saying Gretz, that at all, but, but I'm referring Gretzky more I'm referring more to the Darcy <laughs> Tuckers, to the Ty Domies, to these guys who are who are lauded way above their actual talent level because they, they're representative of some toughness but, and yes. some Ty some, Domi, Darcy Tucker. But that's the, the, you know, that's that's that's, that's a but that's a hockey culture thing. Let me yes. finish my point. Sorry. Oh, fine. All so right, so Toronto Toronto <laughs> of the past views itself as that hard working blue collar, nose to the grindstone sort of thing. But trying to be an international cosmopolitan city means you have to put up with more of some of these pampered, tortured artists who are not going to be that reliable and predictable and that sort of state and that sort of dependent in how they react from day to day. So it's, it's, I think what Kurt's point was, was that Canada has a way of sort of, I, I think I, I've heard it said before that like we chop off the flowers that grow a little bit too high above the rest of the grass. Everyone gets a trophy. Everyone, well, the, there's no, an element that's, and of that's that. Not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. No, no, but but what I'm saying is that, like, we don't, we, uh, maybe I'm speaking a little bit beyond what I, I, I mean. I feel like you're putting words in my mouth that I wasn't using, so. I, I think that I'm, angry. I, I'm not going <laughs> to speak angry. to, what, to what Kurt said, but what I will say about Seba and what went on there is Seba was obviously upset. We all saw that. I think that the people who are around Seba, were also upset that he got pulled, and I think that when you say the people that are around Seba, do yeah. you mean his his agent? I would say that the people in sort of the his circle. Yeah, like, I would but, say I would but, say his but circle. What, but they have nothing to do with the team. Seba I, has to do with. The I team. agree. No, I agree, and I think that the a lot of the Italian community was probably really upset about about him also getting pulled as well. And if you look at the sort of Twitter reaction, no, I'm saying if you look at the Twitter the Twitter reaction about who who went what way. Based on what what took place, there was a, a a large movement I think from that from sort of that side of like the Twitterverse, uh, being like Seba should have stayed in. He should have been able to go for the hat trick. He should have been able to do you know he's having the first good game he's had in a yeah. long time. Let him go, whatever. On the flip side, I, I think you know Greg Venny what he said in the press conference it actually made sense. I wanted to hear what he had to say because I thought wow that's a pretty 
that's a pretty ballsy move. Like, you pull Seba out right there. He's obviously mad. It's not the first time Greg's done that. We've seen Greg actually pull Seba at 85 minutes yeah. or whatever several times before. And you're always like, why is he the guy you're pulling? You know, and, and Well, I, usually because the game is well in hand. And, and that, you could argue that that game was well in hand. It was. Yeah, but, but listen. That's what I'm saying. Usually because the game is well in hand. And he argue. wants to give Seba that moment because he wants that that is That's, his way of of, yeah. of not, not not feeding into Seba's ego but acknowledging his you know a great performance that's yeah. what he, that's, that's what greg venny said and yes. i thought okay full credit and, to him to come out and saying that but i mean if you look at it the other way like if you know your players if you know your players you know who Seba is you know how his how his brain works here's a guy who always wants to score more uh-huh. so he's looking at this game He's looking at Chicago, who are down three. You don't think Josie always wants to score more? I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but Josie's not the same as Seba. They have different mentalities. Like, I got four kids. They all like to play soccer. They're all good. They all like to score goals. But I got one kid. I mean, like, he he will, he'll stab you, like, in, in the back to score a goal. We didn't take his candy, did we? No, yeah, that's not. <laughs> I was going to say, he's um, coming. He is coming. You took his candy. All bad. But, so, so, but different people are wired different ways. Like, Seba, he looks at that game. It's opening up. They're up 3 0. He knows that there's going to be space for him to create. He already he has two. He could have a bunch already. He's thinking, I want a hat trick. He hasn't scored a hat trick since, look at my notes, August August 6th against New England, right? So he's thinking, well, other than the New York City game, okay. right? So he's thinking, I want a hat trick. He's thinking, not only do I want a hat trick, he's probably thinking, I want four. Like, Seba's like, I got eight minutes left. They're going to open well, up. Yeah, but it's a team ask. game. It can't all be about Seba. I would say this team goes with Seba. They need Seba's goals. Without Seba's goals, they don't win oh, games. Oh, you don't have those. You don't have those numbers in your notes about how they've done without Seba. Well, what I can tell you is this particular season, <laughs> with only one goal scored. Oh, this season. Okay. They they have uh, no points to show for Let it. Let Mark Mark yes. is, we've been hiding up all the air. I would, as far as the whole petulance, passionate thing, I mean, it is both, and um, and I mean, I understand him coming off, getting a nice round of applause. I understand that. I ex- I accept that. I think it's a great gesture. But there were still nine minutes of game to be played. Yeah. And if I'm if not that I not that I have any idea what goes through his head, but if I'm as driven, as passionate, and as determined to bag as many goals as I can in the allotted time given to me, and I look up at the clock and I see there is at least six minutes before that fourth official tells me how much is really left, I'm wondering what the hell. I'm wondering what the hell, especially that I'm on a brace. I'm wondering what in the bluest of hells. But is the manager's me, job to make sure his players get hat tricks? Let me um, let me throw out a counterfactual. If Seba did have three, would it have been okay to take him off? Oh yeah. Would it have been okay to Seba? Like I, like probably, again, yeah, I, probably, I, I probably not. You know, he, he probably still would have been upset. I wasn't upset that he came off. So, I thought it so, was a lovely gesture. I was glad we well, got so to the. Oh, I, I, the gesture was great. I loved the gesture. I'm just thinking they could have waited a little longer to do it. So let's let's so let's extend that a little bit. Sebo wasn't going to be happy coming off regardless, mm-hmm. right? The game was getting a little bit testy. It was around that time that mm-hmm. that Michael Bradley had his little step to. Seba is recently coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. The pitch at BMO Field, as much as they work as hard as they can to keep it pristine, it is not in perfect condition. Why are you going to risk the player who's so important to you for the final 10 minutes in Especially a game that's over? Especially when you have this compressed In a game that's over. Out. Especially yeah. when you have the and month that of sense. May. That makes sense. So is that why you're uh, just asking? That, that's why you would say, as the coach, you don't need to come out and, ex- and apologize for your decision because yeah. your decision is perfectly logical yes. and anyone with half a brain recognizes it. I know, but wouldn't, decision, it, wouldn't right? it be better to sort of soothe the 
ego of a player who's angry by saying, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, but you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish in the end anyways, which was getting several off the pitch before something bad happened. Maybe. I don't know. I just... Do you think the apology is, is there not for us, but for Seba? Like, he does it so just that, that way... He's, but that but that annoys he's, me more. He's soothing Seba's ego by, like, coming up with... I think, but that's I what I mean. That's was, why I think he did that, and that's yeah. why I didn't want him to do that. I think that if he hadn't said anything about it or if that question hadn't been asked in the press conference, then people would have lost their minds. So it's well, sort of like... <laughs> I was fine with pretty much everything he said except for the whatever, the part that basically said that he was apologizing for it, just saying, I wanted to give... You know what? The reason I did it was I wanted to give Seba a moment. That was it. Let it go. Whether you're going to talk to him, there's, 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 you know, people are like, are like, well, is Greg going to talk to him in training? Are they going to have like a little private one-on-one? Apparently they spoke. I, well, and I would expect them well, to. Well, Seppo wasn't in training today. Or no, he was. Oh, he, he left was, early? He had to leave early. Oh, he left early. Okay. switched the... Uh, but I also wouldn't expect them to tell us the details of it because you don't reveal details of those kind of one-on-one chats. I would like to hear those yes, details. Yes, right. Absolutely. Of course I would. Who wouldn't want to hear but, those? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I feel like instead of now watching Seba's play, which and we, and we, and we will do more of, which we already do sometimes, is watch his behavior. I feel like we've been on, but yeah, I, I agree. And I feel like we've been on that for a while, though. I feel like yeah. there's, there's been several months now where we're kind of, we're watching the first six or seven minutes of the game to say, okay, which Seba do, which we, have? Seba do we have today, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think that this, this, his behavior at the end of the game only feeds into that. And, you know, as Toronto FC supporters, we have a, a level of anxiety that's built into us. Oh, yeah. Before the, before the whistle even starts, we don't need help being pushed to the edge of like, oh, great, this is going to be one of those days today, right? Yeah, we've already would, seen those. <laughs> I would add the fact that, like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I've seen a change in Seba. I think the change is, is in how that ferocity looks when the team is winning versus when the team is losing. Okay, interesting. You know what I mean? That changes the perspective of what we see. If the team is struggling and we're seeing this petulant passion then it looks like something different than when the team is scoring goals okay but even okay with James but honestly like even in that game before Greg takes him off he already has two goals he's dominating the game and still at like 60 minutes he he gets pulled down and the free oh he lost his mind on the linesman oh my he goes over the line and he I mean I don't don't think they see it on TV I don't know you can see it right in front of us because it was by it was by the corner by 117 and we're just like he and and it was like I I was like the PRO guy sits in front of me and it was uncomfortable because like they don't mean like I was explaining to my friend that had come to the game with me about uh, Hulk Seba. Um. I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that that's always been a character trait of his. Oh no, it has. I think it's just. You know, and we, well, no, we commented on it last year. I don't yeah. like it when he does yeah. that. But this was just a very, very, very public, you know, explosion of that. Unlike that time you ripped his shirt, or unlike all those other times uh, that he did well, everything Hulk's else. Seba. Hulk Seba. Hulk Seba. Hulk Seba. All right. That's this this, this podcast is threatening uh. to become like three hours long, so we have to move on, you chatty people. Yeah. It's like having Bill Manning back. I want to be on a three hour podcast. Oh my god, I don't want to edit a three hour podcast. <laughs> no, Just put it up no, raw. No, no, no. Oh no. <laughs> Dear God, there's still two questions from the fucking post match. Too many questions, I told you. Uh no one gave me feedback. <laughs> I gave you feedback. I said looks awesome. Can't yeah, yeah. Wait. <laughs> like that was that's it. feedback. Um Victor Vasquez. What does he have to do to get to be able to take a free kick? Injuries for everyone, or a captain's armband, or wait until the V Cup. 
or putting <laughs> 15 consecutive free kicks in training, beating the keeper, and that's to get bumped up to second on the list ahead of Bradley, but still behind seven. Uh, Take your math. Uh, well, Take your uh, math right there, that's, kids. That's Boom. I think if Seba hadn't have had the game he had on Friday, <laughs> on Friday night, that you would have seen Vasquez taking free kicks this this week. I, I that that's sort of where the team was going with it. I'm we, sorry, I don't believe we, you. We've already well, no, we've already seen a movement of, of corner kicks. Yeah, he's taking he's coming off corners. And so he's, he's seven. But I want Seba to take corners I because he's this tall. No, 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 I, I don't want oh, no, Vasquez is yeah, Vasquez's balls are much Vasquez's better. Vasquez's service is beautiful. On Michael Bradley is not allowed to take corners anymore. Uh, you know who takes corners? I saw when we were watching you. I was watching USA Panama. Cooper's taking corners for Panama. Cooper takes mm-hmm. nice corners. So I wouldn't mind, you know, when, when he's playing, I wouldn't mind seeing some of that. I as wouldn't well, mind too. Jay Chapman yeah. taking corners when he's playing. I think you want Chapman in the box. I think you want Michael Bradley in and around the box. I like the idea of Seven not being that close to the corner flag because he's more dangerous when he's anywhere That's else true. on the pitch. I just, you know, it just happened. It happened so many times. And again, so very right. publicly let on me, Friday. Let yes. me make my point. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Read from tw- your notes. You've got 15 we, seconds. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I have too many notes for 15 You're not seconds. going to score on every free kick. Like, I don't I don't know what people expect. Like, I know it's, it's frustrating when a free kick hits the wall, but that's sort of the nature of free kicks. Like, free kicks hit walls. It's sort of what happens. That's why we build them. Yeah, as defenders, and I, if, I don't, I don't if, expect them to score on every. If free Seba kick. is the best free kick taker on the team, then but you want he? to. We don't know that. We don't know that because he takes them all. Um, I'm Altador sure they do a, some in practice. Altador is has small sample size. Small sample size. His, on on <laughs> every one of his free kicks last <laughs> year, they size. all went in. Small he's, he's one for one. Size. Well, I'll tell small you, he, 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 <laughs> Josie Altador practices free kicks a lot more than Seba does. And Victor Vasquez. Is really really good at that. I'd like to see that. I would like to see Vasquez take some too. I'd like to see them though. Um, even even like uh, if you look at but Barcelona, right? I would like to Messi, see them both Messi doesn't over take it. every yeah. single free kick for Barcelona. Sure, like mix let's it up. yeah, mix, mix it, it up. up. I, and I've had, but to watch on Friday night, even more again bigger illustration of what we've seen in other games already since Vasquez came on board. To literally. Like Michael Bradley basically grabbed him yeah. and dragged yeah, him away yeah. from the ball in the yeah. first half, yeah. talking to him. Vasquez was not happy. Like you don't want again. Vasquez you want... played for Barcelona. I don't care who he, did he? played for. How many free kicks do you think he got there? <laughs> I've heard um, that. <laughs> how many did he get for in Bruges though? Like come on. Like that's if you watch his highlight reel, the man can take some free kicks. But I I, I'm just yes. saying that to watch. You know, it, it, it's not that I'm thinking this is a, a Gil Defoe thing again, although, again, most hilarious moment uh, ever in TFC history, possibly. I felt possibly. so good about that moment. Me too. Um, <laughs> it's just... That would make a good t-shirt. To watch it happen <laughs> multiple times in the same game and to see Vasquez very visibly frustrated yeah. with the fact that he kept getting told, basically, no, fuck off. Um when you you have to think that that he wouldn't be looking to take them if that wasn't supposed to be part of his job mandate as the player as what he plays on the pitch. I thought the most insulting thing about the the entire thing was when he went over to, to uh, Chicago's free kick and they told him no too. I know, right? Like, <laughs> I really thought, was being I thought for such sure a dick like, about it. It's like you know what. We think he's going to score one for us. Go and for it. it. Nope, they said get away. And it was in his spot. Too. It was. Like, it was really, I mean, you know, these guys were just going a bit. Does anybody do scouting in this league? I mean, come on. The only the only thing that I will agree with you in terms of Seba taking the free kicks is that the, the decisive factor in who takes it should be who is in a best, better position to deliver the ball from where the well, free kick is on the pitch. These days it's always Seba, though. And, 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 you know, Seba's taking them because Seba wants to score because he hasn't been scoring. And, again, that's putting yourself above the team. 
now admittedly it's putting a very good goal scorer above the rest of the team however that's that's my issue with it seba's free kicks are not always gold he's not magic all the, time. Uh, all the time. All the time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I said all the time. Yeah, yeah. He's got all the time. <laughs> sometimes Does he, he have a cape? Sometimes he doesn't have them both. Um, but sometimes he only needs the one. But again, I, I feel like there's a lot of feeding. There's been yes. a lot of feeding into Seba's ego through the first part of the season. Well, so basically what you're saying is let's get Seba's hat trick out of the way in the first half so that everyone else can have Why a have we yes, thought of this? Yes, that seems totally yeah. reasonable. Okay. One last thing, and then we have to move the hell on. Oh, oh my God. God. Seriously, you two are not on the same show anymore. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking it was a bad idea. I was, I was thinking, wow, I, didn't gonna, even, I, I got I a shield. Did. I got a cover. This is not good. All right. So because we're playing the fire, we go very way back to the uh, first uh, game in which TFC ever scored a goal. Uh, with your seat cushions when Danny scored that goal against Chicago, what could we have thrown Friday night? Deep dish pizzas. Nice. I almost put that. I, I, I you don't, don't have an answer. I don't Go. have an answer. Metaphorical monkeys from our backs. <laughs> Blackhawks merchandise. <laughs> My runner-up was uh, pretzels in honor of Bastion Schweinsteiger. Nice. There were pretzels on hand, so it yes. could have been done. I, how about we all throw just like little gloves, like the ones that Schweinsteiger started wearing at the game? <laughs> and, and, then, then, and then literally just just took, yeah. Yeah. took off. You just had a moment, though, that there's an actual real moment in the match where he had a play and he and he went down and he got up. He was just all mad at himself because like things weren't working the way he wanted it to. Is that it's like, it's like Bastion's not happy and he just took off the gloves and like that was like oh really oh I didn't know I didn't know it's like funny. clearly I'm not playing well because I'm wearing these gloves yeah. you know so it was a great moment I'm it's, going it, to make this metaphor <laughs> evident it's it's like when it's like when uh, Sylvester Stallone turns the hat backwards and over the oh, top no, 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 no no like I'm surprised business. it didn't work that's right. that shit just got real yeah it always <laughs> works <laughs> Well, other than an exciting night at BMO Field on Friday for Toronto FC, all the other teams got to play this weekend. So here to tell us all about the weekend that was in MLS Wins and Losses is Duncan Fletcher with MLS Wins and Losses. Duncan, thank you, Kristen. You've got me on fire. <laughs> that was... Wait, was that? That was... Well, go on. Anyway, okay. <laughs> So the week started with a rare midweek game between the T-Terrorists and the Earthquakes. A goalless draw that came from poor finishing and outstanding goalkeeping on for both sides. Go nobody. Excellent. Sweet. I know. We all of course know how Friday Night Lights turned out, so time to turn our attention to Saturday's slate of games. And first up are the winless Union at home to the Cheesemakers. Would this be the Union's first win? Was it? Well, after dominating... Most of the first half. That tells me no. Jim Curtin's crew were up 3 0. Oh my God, that still all tells me no. Blue skies, but then. Yeah, the Union continued to be the pretty much the sad sack of the league as oh, they let the Cheesemakers back into the match on a goal from Piatti before the half ended, and then two from Anthony Jackson Hamel oh, no. in the second half. So yeah, they were winning 3 0 and 3 3 drop. Let's hear Union boss Jim Curtin's thoughts. 
Yeah, it's um, it's not where I want to be. It's not where anyone wants to be in the table. We knew obviously that these three games were important. They were critical. We come away with only a point, so it's obviously disappointing. Delightful. Well, next up was the Dominic Kinnear Derby, with Kinnear and his new team visiting his old team. Redemption or revenge, however, was not on the table, as Wilmer Cabrera's team limited the Quakes to only two shots. The whole game. And they walked away with the 2-0 win. Yes, it was not all that delightful. That sucks. It does suck. I'm so sorry, but not really. Sorry not, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. sorry, not sorry. Totally sorry, That's not what sorry. what it felt like. I know. All right. Continuing on. The grand and glorious battle for Cascadia continued on as the Whitecaps headed to Portland. Did they both lose? Sadly, no. I'm sorry. I know. I, I keep hoping. Just for once. Just once. <laughs> Just once. For the Comet to hit or something, but no. Uh, it was pretty much all Portland as Darlington Nagby opened the scoring with a gorgeous goal that rocketed into the net just off the crossbar, followed by ex-cap Darren Maddox getting some sweet, sweet revenge on his former team Actually. with a goal from a stunning pass from uh, Diego Larry. And then Freddie Montero wasn't taking no as an answer and got the caps within one in the second half. However, it wasn't enough. The Timbers came away victorious. One sour note for the hipsters was the loss of uh, Larry late in the game, and he's still... His status is still unknown, but he was stretchered off. I was watching that kind of like, ooh, that's not good. Um, oh, no, my, my fantasy team. I know. <laughs> well, I forgot to sub out Addy. Oh. Yeah, I know. I totally, well, I know. I, I'm I, so bad I at fantasy football. I logged into my fantasy team. I, I cried when I saw what was left up there. <laughs> so bad at fantasy football. I'm so shit at this. However, uh, Captain Liam Ridgewell had his sports cliche game in midseason form after his first game back after being sidelined from injury. Quote number two on acclimating back no, into the starting no, XI. Just the no challenges. Okay. It's just a normal game of football. I wanted to get out there and get going, really. Vancouver had a couple of wins, and it was always going to be a tough game. I felt the team did very well and we ground out a result in the end. Blimey. It's just... I, yeah, it's I, like I, we're know, there. It's like, it really is. You know, it's, it's so like nice it of them studio. to do this for us. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's really I good. I don't know how how they keep agreeing to this. I don't know either, but, you know, they, they like to do something a little different. They like mm. to spread their wings. All right, moving on to Eastern Conference rivals, DC United and the Rev. Battled to a 2-2 draw to keep both of them below the red line. The shorthanded DCU were happy to get away with a point. Uh, they've got injuries and ailments and Lord knows what else happening to their poor team. But, uh, again, I feel bad for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just yeah. do. I just do. Not so bad for bit. the Rev, but I feel bad for DCU. Yes, I do. More Eastern Conference fun continued as the current leaders, the crew, headed to the Garden State to take on the energy drinks. The crew were a bit hard done by as they lost midfielder Artur within the first minute to an arm injury and then defendant... Defendant. Ooh. Prosecutor. Whoa. <laughs> and then defender... Dum, dum. <laughs> These are their stories. Uh, defender Alex Cornale late in the first uh, of the first half after a collision with Bradley Wright Phillips that unfortunately also led to the Red Bull's second goal. So really convenient. All coming up energy drinks. Yeah. Um, that Damn. loss does knock the crew down to second in the Eastern Conference. Mm. Then 
It's the big battle of the undefeated teams as Mark Hinckley's FC Dallas took on the Sporks. As is the hallmark of both of these teams this season, it was a defensive battle that saw FC Dallas come out the 1-0 winner on Manier Figueroa's header in the 77th minute. Dallas have now only allowed three goals all season. Damn. Like... Yeah, that's not too shabby. That's pretty good. That's not too bad. Uh, Coach Oscar Pereja had this to say about his team's unbeaten streak. Being respected in the league is not easy. Surely, the next game, people will talk about us being the only undefeated team in the league, but we know do not put those facts in our heads. We just keep moving forward. Tomorrow, the game. this game is in the past. We'll talk about the best we can of it. Come uh, correct some stuff, but Portland is in our minds already. Excellent. Uh, However, even though uh, his team lost, the sports coach Peter Vermees mused on the nature of possession. You always want to have the ball as much as you can, but it doesn't necessarily always equate into anything. (laughs) When I look at the number of times on goal for both teams, it's very similar. Statistics can play a lot of different ways, but they were pretty even for most part. Possession was just a fact that, at times, we were good with the ball. Then it was the AU guys' turn as they headed to sexy Sandy, Utah to take on RSL. RSL have had better form from their last couple games. Would they be able to hold off the expansion upstarts who are having a very good road trip? The answer is no. Atlanta's speed was no match for RSL and new coach Mike Petke, as they couldn't handle the pressure by Almeron and company and allowed defensive miscues to unravel their game. To add to RSL's worries is the loss of goalkeeper Nick Ramondo as he went down the second half with injury. Tata Martino had this to say about the city of Salt Lake. Es una ciudad hermosa. It is a beautiful city. The People have been friendly, and they have a good team as well. So a salute to all the people of Salt Lake. Aside from the points and the standings, we had a good start. On Sunday, the final three matches of the week kicked off with Orlando visiting the house that Pirlo built. Would our Lord and Savior Jason Christ get some measure of revenge against the team that locked him in a cave? Well, on the strength of two very nice goals from Canadian Kyle Lahren, seriously, can we get the Canadian men's national team to play at Yankee Stadium? Orlando held off the Pizza Rats after David Villa have the visitors lead. Their win, Orlando's that is, their fifth. Five wins. What? I know. Vaults Orlando to first in the East with games in hand on the rest of the conference. Knock it off, you little brats. Seriously. Hi, Will. Hi, Will. Hi, Will. Mid-afternoon game was between the Galaxy and the Sounding Enthusiasts. Ouch. Brian Schmetzer's orchestra headed to the StubHub Center to take on the rapidly dimming Galaxy. And the lights continue to go out for LA as the Sounders snapped a three-game winless streak, 3-0, as Clint Dempsey, Nicholas Lodero, and Jordan Morris all scored. This game also saw the first start for Will Bruin, who had this to say about LA's defenders. Those are some big boys up there. I just wanted to take some pressure off and are creative attacking those guys and let them do their things underneath. And I think we did a good job of that. The final game of the weekend was between the Woeful Loons and the even more Woeful Colorado Rapids. 
Minnesota has shown some signs of life lately, while Colorado is spiraling downwards with suspended players, injured players, and seemingly no answers. Ultimately, it would be Minnesota that would triumph with their second win and first clean sheet of the season. Indeed. Minnesota? Defensive? What? The winning goal was a rebound from a rebound as midfielder Ibsen hit a shot off the post. Johan Venegas headed it back and finally Ibarra knocked it home. After the match, coach Adrian Heath had this to say about his team's defense. Hello. Hello, Adrian. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm lovely. That's wonderful. Lovely bubbles. Oh, it's a bubble. It's always the bubbles. They're lovely. So, on the defense, they've had a lot of criticism. The one area of our team which has had a lot of praise is our attacking play. And I thought it was reversed today. I didn't think our front four was good as they have been. You don't say. Mm. Not like these bubbles. Combination play and just being a threat wasn't as good as it has been. But was I pleased with the defenders? Because people who've been out of training know how much hard work they put into it. That's true. We do. Very pleased. Like my pleasure with the bubbles. That's fair. Again. For them to get a clean sheet, like I'm getting clean as a whistle, Mm -hmm. and defend the box the way they did at the end of the game. I'm really pleased for them. Adrian's always bringing it back to the tub. It's just... The fixation there, I think. Tiny bubbles. It's a little... It's a little... In my bath. I, I don't... Makes me happy. How do you... Do you have to deal with how this? Do we, how do, do we cut the line? How do we... <laughs> la, la, la. No, they take the baths before they come out. So many bubbles. He's much more relaxed. They, they, and they no longer let the, the opposing team coach uh, come to the table oh, That's fair. And I like to take bubble baths. All right. Well, the, the, uh, thank you for your 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 uh, opinions right. on the whole thing. And um, uh, um, dry off. You're getting pruny, I, I imagine. Prunans. Oh God. Goodbye. Bye, Adrian. Bubbles away. All right, and that's all for this week's MLS wins and losses. Back to you, Kristen. You can take all my free kicks. Before we move on to our preview of the Houston match this Friday, just a sort of a few little housekeeping things that have been happening in and around uh, TFC soccer and some Canadian soccer. Mm-hmm. So on Friday, a couple things happened. Uh, one, Kaylin Kyle announced her retirement from international soccer. Now, she still hasn't retired completely, although I don't think she has a team right now. Um, she was released from her last team, I think, uh, earlier on this year, but... Still time for her to catch on with a number, another one of the uh, NWSL teams. Um, so, you know, Kaylin's probably best known for bronze medal match 
in 2012. She did play, of course, in the Women's World Cup in 2015, but I believe she was just a sub through most of the last cycle of women's play. So, you know, she had a good game in that bronze winning game. I think she sort of contributed to uh, Diana Matheson's goal. So that was lovely. And thank you, Kaylin. 101 caps. Not too shabby. 101. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah, that's very impressive. That's significantly higher than I was expecting to be. <laughs> yeah. She's been with the program for No, but like, I was thinking like, ah, oh, 60s. The no, 60s. no. 101 caps. 101. Yeah. That's well done, Centurion. Well done. Yeah. I, I was looking at some some numbers of caps. You know, so I'll turn to my math notes again. Oh, no. But I was, I was looking at some, some 100 caps is impressive. No matter how you, you splice, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, you look at it. You know, Josie Altador got his 100th cap for USA uh, a couple months ago, and that was a pretty big deal. Indeed. Um, you know, and, you know, as far as Canadian men go, our most capped player is Julian de Guzman with only 89. Exactly. So, so to have 100, I think, is is, is pretty special. Uh, well, the women have gotten to go to World Cups and things. Yeah, that that's helped. Sinclair has 255, actually, caps, which is uh, which is pretty uh, smashing. Um, and uh, 355 male footballers have more than 100 caps uh, in their career, which is pretty small if you think about how many countries are involved and, and how many games hmm. these players play. Actually, that is small. I, was, I would expect it to be higher. And the active leader is actually uh, Gigi Buffon. Oh, well, uh, uh, no, no, he's, he's the active leader at 168. Right. The uh, the all time leader is Ahmad Hassan with 184. So, mm-hmm. but Gigi will get there because he's going to play the next seven World Cups. I think. Oh yeah, yeah he's gonna yeah. basically they're gonna yeah, just prop him up. He's gonna have his walker. <laughs> and you know what? He's still gonna and he'll still have the glorious hair. Yeah. Oh, you know, and he's still gonna sing that national anthem with real passion, oh, yeah. even yeah. on cap, uh, you know, 185. But what I wanted to say about the the, the women's caps, which I thought was really interesting was if we look at sort of the group of who's still there on, on the squad or around the squad uh, Wilkinson 181 Matheson 191 Tancredi 125 Scott 124 Schmidt 161 that's a lot of caps right there on uh, part of the team that's I guess except for Schmidt well if, and Tank's gone yeah that, that, that's moving out right oh so okay that, that's moving out and then if we look at sort of who's who's coming in on the on the next round what's Kadisha at? Uh, Kadisha is the most capped defender we have this is so, so interesting you brought that up right mm-hmm. because uh, 20 21 years old, 69 yeah, caps, geez. and 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 that is uh, you know easily the most capped defender we have. So a lot of youth is coming into the squad, especially in the back line. And so there's a big there's, there's a lot of transition there's happening. A lot of, a lot of churn going. Uh, on a lot, of, but the, the the interesting thing I think with this is just how young we're capping our female players, and that I think that also allows them to to, to play for a full career and get themselves you know a hundred caps. It would be nice if on the men's side if we did the same thing, where if we decided to build our team through the youth ranks and start capping younger players and allow them to play a little bit, so that way they're not getting their first cap at 26 or 27. I think part of the success of the women's soccer that we haven't seen at the men's level is because of that consistency and the way in which they're growing the program from the from the bottom up. Fair. That's fair. All right. Well, speaking of young Canadian players who have at least played for the Canadian team or the young Canadian striker. teams. He's a striker. He's a striker. Right? Yeah, yeah, he is a striker. Um, Quillen Roberts. So Quillen Roberts, who was, uh, depending on who you believe or talk to, was either either asked to leave TFC or was released by TFC earlier on this year. Um, anyway, Q's got a new club. Finally. So excited. He uh, was announced on Thursday that he's joining the Woodbridge Strikers of League One Ontario. For I believe it's Woodbridge. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Ooh. Sorry, I should have gone Would to you for you the pronunciation. <laughs> Woodbridge. Would you hey. For uh, the 2017 <laughs> season. I'm assuming this is to get him in shape for the CPL next year. <laughs> just my guess. Anyway, I'm just happy to see Q with a club and 
probably uh, have messaged him. I haven't heard back from him yet. Uh, assume I'm assuming he gets to actually play, yeah. not just be with a club, but he gets to like go on the pitch and things and st- participate. He was close last year. I don't think maybe fans realize that um, when Clint went down with the injury in Orlando, Alex Bono happened to be the keeper who was on the bench at the time. They were rotating because uh, they were they were flopping ro- each uh, two games or. Yeah, game? they were they were cycling through each getting games up yeah. and each getting actual playing time down it too. It yeah. was very much a chance. I think. Absolutely, and then Alex kind of ran with it, with the exception of you know uh, a couple interesting moments like San Jose. Uh, you know, we he played fairly well, and I think that was the determining factor. Even you know in midseason when we spoke to Michael Bradley and we we're talking about well, what do you think of Alex Bono's play of late with Clint being down and you know and stepping in. You know, Michael was very forthcoming to make sure that very the, adamant that, that they had three that they had three, and that cue gets talked about for how hard he practices and how good he is and how they have three keepers that they felt really strongly could play and perform so in many ways it ended up just being kind of like a timing and a luck thing more than what he wasn't good enough to make the the, the squad or, or to break through I kind of and, felt that that was the case just by you know seeing oh Q's on the bench this game Q's not on the bench this game I, I did notice that leading into it and then when the catastrophe hits like Talk musical about chairs and like, whoever is yeah. sitting. Yeah. And because was, of the international roster slot uh, mumbo-jumbo garbage, Q is kind of really left out here. Had it been the other way and Q had got the opportunity to start, he'd probably be the other the goaltender with Clint, and then Bono, you know, he would be able to catch still on. Be on with, he'd still be on a team. GA. Yeah, yeah, they would be able to ride that for a couple is, more years. This is a very much a raw theory, but I believe it was on here that Bill said that they offered, they offered Q... Yeah. A deal to come back, and I think they were very much anticipating him being back. Because if you look at who they have, down well, yeah, two, they're in trouble right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have Pace, who's had to come up to back up Bono, yeah. and they only acquired him at the last minute, sort of. And they have, you know, a couple of guys down in the academy system. They have Angelo Cavaluzzo, who was actually doing actually, some yeah, coaching. He was doing some coaching with the team, and but also not playing that. But bad, so right? I think oh, he's he's been great actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you. I think that they had created a spot there where Q was going to be the starting keeper for two this season, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. So yeah. anyway, so he is with uh, League One Ontario for the 2017 season. What a bridge! What a bridge! Who'd you gotcha? And then you guys even know what that is? No. Did yeah. you ever listen to the World Football Phone on the BBC? Clearly not. No. Apparently, in Portugal, they struggle with English names because they pronounce letters differently. So that's how they said Jonathan Woodgate. Portuguese. Would you gotcha? Oh. So Tim Vickery would say it all the time. Anyways, I digress. That's funny. Um, I mean, it's too bad we don't have Dwayne on for this particular. Mo, mo, mo. Say it ain't so, mo. Mm. Also mm. announced on Friday was the release of Moba Bully. Uh, apparently injured during the preseason. I heard differently. I heard he was unwell. I heard he was sick. I, just going by what I read from one of your blogging. Brethren that have a press oh, oh, pass I, that aren't I, us. I heard that. Oh, okay. I heard that too. That he was sick. I heard no, that. I, I, I heard he was injured. According no, I, to I, 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 another I, website that you're both affiliated with. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, regardless, journalist. He, he could have been both. He didn't play this year at all, and uh, there was questions. What's going on with Mo? You know, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate. You know, Mo was sort of one of those. Was sort of it was a nice story, yeah. And and he seems like a very nice guy, um, who just you know languished for a couple of years, had nowhere to play, managed to do well in League One Ontario, caught the eye of TFC, came into TFC for a while, came on play with the first team, again had some nice moments, 
was never able to score. That's, and and that was the problem. Yeah. You know, like that's that's his job. And he wasn't ever able to do it. And you, you could tell, like, again, he, he he's not a bad player. Yeah. But quality is a step behind most of his fellow Canadian players that are part of the squad as well as most of the players that are with the squad. So him being released isn't that surprising, although kind of hope maybe he'd get to stay with TFC too and play um, there. But then again, they've got other players that they're working with and on, you know, Spencer. Well, the news Hamilton. coming out of training today, Greg actually spoke about this today. About Mo? About Mo. Oh, let's hear it. Um, and it, of course, this is this is how Greg painted it, but he said it was it was almost a mutual thing, like it was with Q, where the change in formation, him being what, what would he be on the depth strike? He's behind Jordan Hamilton. Oh, for sure. So I mean, like you're looking at the fifth striker on a team that plays two, and so for him to get minutes at TFC, Greg sort of said that they'd have to rebuild him into sort of a midfielder, whether that's wide or whether that's playing up top. Yep. And. He just there wasn't a path for him to get minutes in the way that TFC wants to play right now. So like they he'd, both he'd, sort he'd of have decided. to play down with TFC too. He wouldn't play with the first team. Yeah, it just wouldn't and, happen. And so Greg sort of painted it that you know like they sat down and they had a conversation about what he wanted to do and whether it was Mo or whether it was the club, they decided that the best thing for him would be to find somewhere else where he can play. You know, Ottawa. Ottawa. I, I'm thinking that Ottawa likes their strikers to be six foot eight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. That is true too. Yeah, and you mentioned that you know most inability, uh, whether it be luck or whether it be skill, to put the ball in the back of the net. I think is ultimately the reason why we've come to this point because there was a lot of opportunity for him last year when he played here. You know, sure. And I covered Liverpool for a while, and and still do occasionally. But when I used to cover Liverpool, Liverpool. I'm sorry, but the whole point is that uh, you know. When, new. when a new well, he is sitting in the Tony spot. So when a new when a new Spurs player when a new player comes into a club, if they score on their debut, it changes basically their entire career path from that from that sure. day forward. And so the length of time between Babuli goals, I think, is is the biggest detriment to his ability to stick with the club because his skill level was there his skill level and creativity on the ball was there his hustle was there i the, remember the a point last deal. year where seba really enjoyed playing with yeah. Mo because yeah. mo was on that right side of way oh yeah and really team. like feeding yeah, yeah. They, they had a nice little partnership going for you know sure. and, and if one or two of those balls that he gets real close that either hit a post or go wide or get deflected or get saved if one or two of those go in i think we have a really different narrative or story about mobile billy's career that's my race. That's that's what I think about him. I think he's pretty good, and I think yeah. that he'll. I think he'll find a he'll find a nice landing spot, whether it's Ottawa, whether it's Edmonton, whether it's another USL team yeah. or an ASL team. He'll he'll be somewhere. He can go join. Uh, what is Q. it? No, 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 no. Uh, let's see. No, 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 no. no. USL, Nana, and oh, the, uh, the San Francisco. No. Oh, the San Deltas. Fr the Deltas. Yeah. The, 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 the Kyle Becker. Yeah. The the ex the, the 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 other ex Red team. It was it was. I thought you were talking about DC United for a second there. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Although well, I, I do I do like the fact that Nana is they captain. Like Canadians. I do like the fact that Nana is captain. Was Nana like, was my student. Many years ago. Nana Adekor was your student? Yeah. Aww. I remember the first day he came to Nana. me and brought me a note that said, and he said to me, sir, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to miss a lot of class. And he handed me a note. I'm like, what do you mean, the guy, you can't miss class? He handed me a note. I opened the note, and it was like from Canada Soccer. It's like, all right, well, I think you might have handed this to the right person. Because <laughs> I'm probably going to be pretty, I'm probably gonna be pretty <laughs> forgiving. If, uh, we can come up with some alternative assignments for your yeah. system, you know? So. 
Good kid, actually. Really nice kid. Yeah. Really nice Poor Nana. Oh, no, I love him. I it, I wished better for him. So much better for him. <sighs> anyway. Just in case you didn't know, here we go. Just in case you didn't know, here we go. Just in case I said, just in case I said, just in case you didn't know, here we go. Last in need is looming. No need for presuming. No, I'm not mixed. I'm just another human. All up in the mix, my curry gets a human. Booming in your mix from Turkey out to Houston. Houston Rocket, yes, damn it, I'm old school. Moving on to almost the end of our show. And a look no. ahead. I know. A look ahead. <laughs> so to many notes. <laughs> no, you don't. Put those away. It's Make time it up for our Houston preview. So the Orange Men are coming. No, not those ones. Good. Yes, Oof. I know. The Dynamo have been very strong out the gate to start the 2017 season, and are working to pretend like last year never happened <laughs> at all. It's important to have a short memory. It in is, sports. especially yeah. if you're Houston. So unbeaten at home, including four wins, but less successful on the road with two losses out of two road games. So terrible losses. Fingers. Yes. Yes. Not 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 hard. Not hard defending. Just skinny your teeth losses. Ooh, no, no, no. So fingers crossed, people. Um, Houston, of course, has Cuba Torres, which is Cubo? I Cubo. Okay. That's Kubo. <laughs> say Cubo. Three Q-Bert. No, no, no. It's, I, I, I have him as Qbert because he's tiny as well. <laughs> yeah. So he just like hangs around the field. <laughs> you know. Um, beware of snakes. Kubo Torres. Yes, beware of snakes. Already off to a strong score. A strong score. Uh, he's off, off to a strong score. He is. Oh, yeah. Off no, to a strong start. We're allowed to call it that. So they're scoring lots of goals, which is good as they're not really keeping that many out. Um Question is, of course, is what will Wilmer Cabrera throw at TFC in terms of, you know, formation, attack, whether they're going to try and clog things up in the midfield or just rely on their non-existence defense. So here's hoping. Pretend like your defense is still good. AJ Delagars is awesome. Um, but it's, it's, you know what, it's interesting. We, uh, you know, it's, it's like looking at Chicago last year. In Chicago, we're shit. Now they're sort of good, but then we beat the crap out of them on Friday, so that was fun. But Houston's a little bit different. I actually really like, I've always liked Houston. I've always had a soft spot for Houston, mostly because I like the color orange, I think. It's true. I do. I, 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 and I like their kids. Some deep analysis. It, invo- yeah, it evokes happiness in people. Did you know that? Orange is a color See? that evokes happiness there in people. Um, but I, I think that they've always kind of been a deceptive team. Like last year was just weird. For them to be that bad and that consistently bad, it was it was very odd. I kept expecting the real Houston to sort of like show up and be like, no, no, we're really super organized and we can score lots of goals and we don't miss Dominic Kinnear at all. No, we're fine. Well, they seemed fine against us. They had an act of God that allowed the game to happen the next day. Yes. And, and then even though we played three at the back and played even, I believe, against a man down, they still were uh, Well, that's because TFC... Can't play against man down. So, that's yeah. true. They know our kryptonite. kryptonite. Yeah. Do you hang out together too much? <laughs> um, <laughs> we actually practiced this bit. Before. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> I just the, timing. the timing was impeccable. It's true. Um, so yeah, it's 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 one of those games that I've I've kind of been looking forward to. One, I, I actually I, I'm I'm excited about getting to see Kubo Torres back. Um, I think sort of what happened with his career arc was unfortunate. And I'm happy to see him back in MLS. Not that he wasn't doing well where he was, but I'm happy to have him back. 
And if they weren't playing us, I would be cheering for Houston, no matter who they were playing. Just again, I sort of, I sort of like a lot of what they orange. do. It's orange. Orange, it's orange as well, you know. Yeah. Although I don't like creamsicles, so I just I like oranges though. Anyway, Bear. general thoughts on I the game ahead. To see the relevance of those last two <laughs> conversation we're having. Analysis. Anyway, so anyway. Yeah. strong analysis. It's always good to have a window yeah. into your soul. Am I going first? Sure. After all, right, you. all right. You have you have more notes than me. I do have more. That notes. is a lie. Um, oh, I no. haven't watched. <laughs> that is a lie. Oh, no. <laughs> well, maybe you should start us off. <clears throat> <No. clears throat> should I turn on the shredder when they went outside? Uh, no, no. After you, uh, I insist. Seriously, one of you talk. <laughs> <laughs> James, go now. Well, I think I think what you're gonna expect to see from Houston on the road, given their poor form away from home is you're going to see very much that same sort of sit back and look to hit on the counter. I, I haven't watched them as closely this year as I would have liked, but I sort of see them as having a detachable attack, if mm. that makes sense, yeah, where totally. they, they have the back line and they have either one or two sort of holding midfielders that sit back and then the front three or the front four or the front five, depending on who they who they put out there, sort of come away from the formation and, and do their damage there, and that's where they're dangerous. So they're very much going to be looking to spring Kubo on the counter. You know, they have Kyoto, um, Kyoto. How do you guys pronounce that guy's name? I, I say Kyoto. Yeah, I'm not the expert in name pronunciation. Q. Q. Yes. Q uh, got a little cameo last time after suffering that injury earlier in the year. So the three-headed beast that they were with, with Kubo Torres and uh, Albert Ellis, as well as Kyoto, are back. Potentially. Mm-hmm. So that could be troublesome. We might see the Houston that sort of took the league by storm in those first two games. But, I mean, if Toronto's playing like this, like if Toronto plays the way that they did against Chicago, I, I can't really see Houston having much joy. I would be surprised if they played that lineup. You know, they played 4-3-3 for most of the season so far to start. And I think that playing 4-3-3 at BMO Field is a recipe for disaster I, th- I think you're going to get opened up and you're going to get scored on a lot so for a team that's conceding a lot of goals to go 4-3-3 i think would be really dangerous last game they uh they switched their formation they went to 4-4-2 with the diamond midfield in part because there were some injuries that they were trying to accommodate mm-hmm. for in the midfield but it allowed them and they, even they said afterwards after the match they in the post-game interviews it allowed them to get extra bodies behind the ball which they felt was successful it was their first clean sheet in seven games um and i think that if you Take a look at you know some of their statistics of where they've been successful, and uh, you know what Toronto FC does best. I think they're really going to sit, try and sit back. So four four two at the diamond midfield, I think, is going to be what I would expect to see them come out and play. Uh, just some simple numbers for them, right? They're three zero and one when scoring first. They've had the lead in six of at the half in six of the seven games that they've played this year. They're three zero and one when out shooting their opponents, and they're uh, also four one and zero when they have less possession than their opponents. So I think if you take all that into consideration, I don't I don't think you'll see four three three. Even though that's been their primary formation, no, no, I, I think agree. I think I think they're going to sit in real tight and just try and, and and absorb the pressure from Toronto and wait for the mistake and, and exploit. I agree, but that four four two was very attacking that's what sort of threw me off about it was like you had oscar bonia garcia on one side you had alex playing at the top and yeah i don't know if if garcia is necessarily the defensive shuttler that you want when you're going to be chasing tfc around yeah i i think it's i think that's a uh, that's a fair point um and i think you have to worry about his propensity to foul as well 
Actually, yeah. well, TFC yeah. TFC should look to exploit the hell out of that. Just shove seven. No, I was gonna say that that's, that means that means bring in Cooper. That's a Cooper game. If you want to exploit someone's that's of the true. Foul, bring in Cooper. That is true. You want to piss that, people off. Get that Concacaf game going, where like oh, yeah. you know, just just start dropping. And you know, flop, Cooper would have flop. fun playing against his uh, his Panamanian. Well, I was gonna say yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. it just uh, that would be sort of. If we have San Jose watching from the side. <laughs> oh my god, it'd be magical. <laughs> All right, uh, player to watch, not named Kubo Torres. Eric Padilla. He's got uh, four goals. He's doing really well this this season. Um, I think he, I think he can do it. Seriously, you guys don't know what Kubo Torres' real name is. Oh my god, it's it's. I just said Kubo Torres, so I lied. I'm sorry. That's don't, Eric don't, with a K, right? It, yes, it's with a K. And she, she wrote peace on my hand. Okay. <laughs> I don't even understand that. Um, instead of writing like angry things, you should have uh, been a smartass. Come on. Um, Please don't vandalize my Property any further. Mary. Yeah, I don't have to explain too much how I got pen on me at a fucking podcast. Um, uh, Alex. Yep. It's just Alex. Just Alex. Uh, it is just Alex. Yeah. He's got four assists. Goes by a single name. That's pretty awesome. But I'll give it honorary honorary mention to. I guess just also because of a single name. I thought that was funny. All right. Yeah. I'm I'm also going single name. I'm going uh, Leonardo. Uh, so I think good one. Uh, the Brazilian center back. Size and experience, I think, which is going to be important for them if they're going to be successful in this Seba's game. going to tear him apart. He is he's slow footed. He's not, he's he is not, so slow. He's not going to be matched up against Seba. 6'2", 185, his job is going to be to deal with Josie. Also, there's no way they're going to put him on Seba because he's just back after missing three games with a hamstring injury. So yeah. there's no way they're going to Hamstring versus hamstring. They're not going to match him up that way. They're going to try and use his size to keep Josie out of the box and to win headers, especially on set pieces with so that Zavaleta and Hagelin, for example, can't get space in there. Uh, we... I think we saw last week, um, you know, against San Jose, Wondolowski didn't really get anything going. And I think that a, a big part of that was his return. If if Houston is going to be successful, he's going to have to play a big game for them. I've seen him I've seen him fall flat with that <laughs> too many times. <laughs> yeah. I have any sort of confidence in that. Uh, my, my nomination goes to Mauro Manotas. They're young striker. He's a fiery guy. He runs, he runs all day. He's got a handful of goals. Mine actually was... Uh... AJ De La Garza, uh, only because if you know if he he is he is their good defender, you know, like and if he can sort of re- regain or revisit defending of old and spread that to the rest of the back line, sort of imbue them with a little. This is what I used to do, and I used to know how to do this. Um, that he, you know, he's he's probably their most intelligent defender and ha- can have. And I think he can still have an effect on uh, on games for them. I wouldn't rule out, you know, guys like AJ and guys like Demarcus Beasley sort of having yeah. having big games against against teams like this, especially. Well, the reason why I didn't say Demarcus Beasley, uh, you know, he wore the armband in the last game, and I thought in the formation switch of the four four two at the diamond, they played him out on the left. Mm-hmm. But the problem with Toronto FC is if you try to attack down the right hand side of Toronto FC, you're going straight up against Betashore and Zavaleta, which I think is actually the strength of Toronto Shoulder FC. Side, yeah. So I think I, I think that that will be a, even though. Uh, maybe that's the better side for them, at least it was in their last game. I'm not sure that that's the place you want to go against Toronto FC. I think I you want to come if, to the left side. I don't know if I would see him attacking a whole lot. I mean, sort of being just, just they're going to need a relief a relief valve. Bayshore is going to be so high up that, that right <laughs> side, though. You know what I mean? That really, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of, Press and pressure, and you, you know if, Delga- if if they play Delgado in the midfield with Bradley, that means Bradley's going to be pushing into that space a lot too. I I just think that you know if Beasley doesn't have time and space to to work, I, I don't think he has the ability to really be effective. All right, well that leads into varying tactics then, and uh, we our favorite subject. Well, 
we have sort of talked about this a little bit and you sort of started touching on it. Um, really, my question is, you know, we talked about Drew Moore. doesn't sound like he's going to play because he's away seeing a specialist. I don't expect him to play. I don't if, if, if he plays before the middle of May. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, will, I, I, would, I, would, I don't think they'll be rushing him back. No, exactly, I and, think, and I don't expect them to, and I, I wouldn't Jason want Hernandez them to. Jason Hernandez is getting close. Well, that was, you know, I was going to ask if you guys have heard any rumblings. Has he been at practice yet? Like, I know he's, it's a calf injury. He was off. No, so back injury. Thursday of last week, he was at. He was practicing off, just off to the side from the group. But, yeah, but, he's not but joining get, first team. But getting yet. closer, so maybe this week. I, I think he was. He, I, they they trained so far. <laughs> they have several pitches to choose on. They yeah. were in the back half of the furthest one away from us, so I couldn't quite tell if he was out there. But I'm I'm pretty sure he was out there. Because the he's their most experienced defender after Drew Moore and. Yeah, but he hasn't played a minute with this team. I know that, and that's the thing. Like that's and, and that's where it played, gets. He's not played a three-five-two. And Greg got in forever. Sorry, Greg got burnt playing Mavinga a couple too weeks ago, early, too yeah. early maybe. So I think. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I don't expect him to walk right into the team, but I think again, if he can get some fitness for yeah. for a counter. And for though? and he's a veteran, right? Like he. How good has Nick been in these two games? Nick's been fantastic. Like, I've said lots of nice things about Nick. Yeah. I I think I may have made him my man of the match last week. Actually, I believe um, it. He's he's played. No, no, well. I I've been very impressed by uh, by him. But I still think that TFC needs, regardless of the the growing up that you know Zavs and Hagland have been doing, I think that they still need that veteran mature presence back there. Um, would, you know, not to be too too contra- um, contrary. contrary, yeah. Uh, I think Justin Morrow brings a lot of that sort of veteran nous that that the other two are lacking, and he's been he does. And I was surprised by because I wasn't expecting him to be able to how adjust. fluidly he moved into that spot. Yeah, it, like, it was unexpected for me, and you know from, how highly I think of Justin. Aside Morrow. from thinking he's a wingback, so on occasion. <laughs> aside, aside from one throw in, yes, you're, yes. you're absolutely. Well, you, nice again, you, well, I'm just saying, but I mean, like, aside, you know how aside, highly I think of Morrow, play, right? So. Because there's no way he, he shouldn't be taking that. He's the center back, not All the right. wingback. Right? So really, the question uh, is: Cooper keeps the ball. Really, the question. <laughs> really, the question is: is whether or not um, Delgado starts over Cooper. And you know, again, we talk about playing. You know, who's going to have a best the best effect on Houston versus who had the best last game? Yeah. I think I think you'll see Delgado start because this is a home match. And mm-hmm. because of that home match, you're going to need to have Houston is very likely to sit back. And so you're going to need that extra thrust, the aforementioned engine that we were talking about to get the game sort of ticking over nicely. The one that runs on water. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, carrying that, the, that, water. That, the water. Except, except that you know when you when you when you watch what TFC wants to do against teams that sit back, they want to put as many of their creative players on the pitch as they can at the same time, and that would say Cooper, Vasquez, Bradley in the midfield instead of Delgado. Or maybe you put Jay in there because you know Chapman sees himself as a creative player, and I think TFC see him as a creative player as well. Maybe you put Osorio in there, but. I I, I would be so. I would like to see Delgado start. I think he's earned the right to. But if they if they believe that Houston's going to sit sit in and bet in and only try to hit them on the counter, I think you might see them bring more creative players. Well, well and I also just think Cooper's more annoying. So yeah. he'll just he'll irritate them, and that'll open up some cracks. Yeah, and, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, all right, we'll see. I, I sort of part of me wonders with the month that they have ahead, all the players are going to get sure. minutes. And I don't know if you, if the message that you want to send to Marky is, yeah, you were great, but you're going to sit down. Well, they sat Oso after he had a great game, and he hasn't started since. 
now you're being contrary. <laughs> I'm reporting a fact, actually. Yes. Mom and dad don't fight. Mom and dad don't fight. Mom and dad don't fight. They're not fighting. They're reporting facts. Mom and dad stop reporting facts. <laughs> Mom and dad stop reporting facts. You know, no, but that's that's a, you know, also had his best game, and then has not has not started since. That's what I'm saying in regards to Did that sort of. Did they win this best game? Was it one of their wins? One of their 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 paltry their, their other win? I don't recall actually. Maybe. Let me think about both of them for a second. Yes. Anyway. I'm just saying, if you're going to, you know, look at it that way. Yeah. All right. What is a better name for Ooh. Houston than the Dynamo? This is my favorite part of the show. Caca! James! Oh, wait. No, We're not doing that, that anymore. anymore. Stop that. Bitchy's dead. It's like playing the record back. Bitchy is dead. Bitchy is dead. Okay. So All right. Because you have a list of I have of so them. many good ones. Well, I like, don't how many good. is so many? Right, wait, do you, like... Do you want? Is there like do you want to close it? Do you want to close it? I think he should bring it, it home. You know, or do you want to open quick succession? Can I give them and then you guys rate them if you think they're good or bad? Can we do that? We'll like, do like an applause meter. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Just let him go. All right, have it. Or wait, wait, wait. Do you, does any of us have more than one? Um, I have one. I have one. Okay, I'll All go. Right, you guys go. I've got two or three, and and then you you Steve, you can close it. You <laughs> All can right. Bring the house down. I just have the Houston's. <laughs> the Houston Houston's. I think oh, I th please make that a badge. Oh, that'd be amazing. If it was last season, they could be the Houston We Have a Problems. Yes. Yeah. I think I might have studied too hard for this section. That's why. That's <laughs> My <laughs> actual one is the Houston Colaches. I don't know what a colache is, but you I just, just like the sound the, of it. To the Glenn Davis soccer show, and there's a place called the Colache Factory, and I was just like, that place sounds amazing. I bet it's delicious right. or, or effective yeah, or. or Looks great. Um, Remove stains. I don't, I don't maybe. Know. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Um, so I went with uh, Houston 1836 because I really liked that name when they announced <laughs> it. But apparently it's a bad thing. So I don't fully understand the, the – I mean, I understand the history, but I don't understand. Anyway, uh, Spartak Houston is no dumber than Houston Dynamo. I mean, <laughs> really. I mean, Dynamo. Yeah, Dynamo Houston. Which would also be an improvement, to be fair. It would. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's in use right now, but, you know, the whole NASA thing, I thought Houston Cosmos would be pretty funny. So, all right, Steve. All right, Houston is the home of the world's largest rodeo. So, how about Houston Rodeo? Uh, since That's the women's team. Since like 1991, Houston has been uh, consistently voted America's fattest city, according to Men's Fitness Magazine. So, we could go with the Houston Fatties. Because of the colaches. Yes. Uh, there, there are no uh, land use zoning laws in Houston. So, uh, you know, as I always say, you never want to buy food and bait in the same place. Uh, or, you know, you never want to eat in a restaurant that's next to a veterinary uh, uh, hospital. Fair. Uh, so how about the... Uh, I got to write these down. <laughs> the, the Houston uh, zoners, right? Because there's no bylaws. Sure. Uh, Patrick Swayze was born in Houston. Houston nice. Dirty Dancers. Uh, oh, uh, I thought you were going to go Houston Roadhouse. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. that's a little more topical. Okay. Sure. It's all about your favorite Swayze straight, movie. I guess just go so. straight to the source, the Houston Swayze's. Yeah. Or, or I was, oh, that, there's that, a badge. That's my next one because Beyonce is also from Houston. So what if Beyonce just bought Houston and called the team 
Beyonce. That could also work. Kevin uh, Beyonce would never do that. Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's probably is that the NWSL team because it sounds like a bad name for a, a real one a real one that you could actually go with um, Houston is named after Sam Houston who was the first president of the Republic why of it's Texas. the Houston Houstons and the Cherokee Houston Texans the, the Cherokee people named nice. uh, Sam Houston the Raven. So Houston Ravens could actually uh, work. And then my favorite, okay, of course. That was actually really good. Yeah, that's a yeah, real one. That's yeah, a real that's one. You know? mm. uh, Houston, according to Chicago Tribune, is the world's capital of Sourcing. air conditioning. Like, air conditioning. Go on. And capital punishment. So how about the Houston Chill Executioners? Fuck. <laughs> How's that? How's that? Right? So the there you Raiders go. The Raiders would no longer be the scariest team in North American professional sports. That's pretty good. And now you know. And no one's half the battle. The more you know. Well then. I've learned something today. <laughs> I'm not sure I wanted to learn that much today. You guys might want to bookmark. I think that was the first use of actual sourcing. That was that was like that was impressive, I know. All right. Predictions for this game before we leave, gentlemen. Three two Toronto. I think it's gonna be a bit of a goal fest and and I expect Toronto to continue momentum. I just kind of feel that Houston will probably find a way to break through uh, not the strongest back line that we can produce. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I love I love me some Cubo Torres, and I think he'll at least bag one. And they're talented enough to bag two. So gut feeling. That's it. 2-1 Toronto. Uh, I think maybe 5-3 Toronto. What? I think there will be goals. Oh, I that's feel, a big one. I feel very Holy much the same, but I could not get up to 5-3, so I went 3-1. I see I see Jovinko getting another two before being subbed off. Oh, yeah. and at half. <laughs> and, and punching Greg in the face. <laughs> Just to keep the drama up. And then he'll knock over that hippopotamus. <laughs> yes. I believe it's called a stanchion. Oh. <laughs> the Houston stanchion. I didn't want to make him feel bad. How did I not think of that? And then uh, Victor Vasquez will score from a free kick. <laughs> For the other team. Ah, his answer is disqualified because it's based in fiction. <laughs> and then TFC will fall asleep in the 86 minute and can see a goal in the Kubo Torres. Oh, that's real. Yeah, Jesus that's absolutely James. real. <laughs> He's just throwing enough reality to make it all plausible. <sighs> all right. That is our show. Holy shit. Holy crap. Uh, I want to thank Are we going to talk about TFC too? No. Just, just go to the outro. Start your own podcast. Go the just go to the outro before he gets another one. Uh, I've been joined Welcome by... to Talking the Two with Stephen James. <laughs> Kill his mic. Hurry. All hurry right. Before he gets thank, another idea. Thank you for uh, joining me, gentlemen. Um, let's see. Let's. I have very Welcome s- to the inaugural episode of Kit Talk. <laughs> no, no, you can't no, even. Kill bait can't even. Bait don't even. Don't you don't even have the intro music. Exactly. <laughs> he only he has the intro music. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Subs, thank James. <laughs> thank you for joining us this evening. And uh, next time, I'm frisking you and taking away all your notes. Uh, no, yeah, I've been joined by. I'm not good without my notes. I'm just an ordinary fan without my notes. Just joined emotion. by James Grossi from <laughs> MLS dot backslash dot star dollar Ampersand. sign. Ampersand. Oh, uh, the dollar signs in new. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Underscore. Reddit, Mr. James Grossi, at Grossi on the Twitters. Yay. Pleasure as always. Thank you, thank you. Uh, new sub, 
We will evaluate your form later. Um, uh oh. From. <laughs> I'm getting babooled. I can yeah, feel yeah. it. <laughs> the hosted TFC talk. Uh, also cute, from. That's not fair. I'm Extreme sorry. Toronto Sports Club at XTSC. At underscore S. Gennaro, Mr. Steve Gennaro. Wow, thanks. And that's a lot of names there, but appreciate well, it. Well, you know. And, uh, of course, my friend to the right, Mr. Kitnerd Mark with a K, not a Q, at Kitnerd Mark on the Twitters. Yay. I'll have you both know I don't have nearly the credentials you guys got, so I do voices. <laughs> As for me, you can find Just me saying. on the internet. Yes, the entire Just internet. Saying. I've been your host at Casey Knowles, Chris Knowles. And until next week, Toronto, get used to it. And I think we did a good job of that. Rawr. <laughs> oh, Honestly, I don't know why they just don't invite us to All-Star Game anyway. Like, he has to do it. It doesn't work if he doesn't do it. The instructions are, are Rip Taylor add Rara Ed. That's, that's, that's what it is. That's what that voice is supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Friday, I was waiting to see who was going to ask Greg about Seba. Because the press conference was rolling on and no one was asking. And it kept going and no one was asking. No uh, one was asking. And I was looking around. We all had it on our list. It's just sort of like nobody wants to be the one to... Man, I would have been, I would have been if I was. That would have been like my first question. Okay, James, this is what you need. This is what you guys need to do. Of course. If there's a question that you're waiting for somebody to be the first to ask, we'll show up. Yeah, Greg, yeah, I've yeah. gotten a question yeah. from Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Greg, just, Mark from Vocal Minority, you haven't heard of us. What the fuck happened with yeah, Seba? And that, then I leave. I'll be like, I just all right, here's down. the question. Well, I, I asked him. Was it, were you were you training together last week? Or no, you weren't there when I was no, there. So at training last week, I said to him, I said, you know. Are you, are you feeling pressure? I said, because around around the city, whether you guys want to acknowledge it or not, yeah. pe people are freaking out. So, like, what's what's your take on that, right? And he just had this look of just, like, that's the first time, Steve, you've ever asked me a question that I really want to just, like, punch <laughs> you in the throat with, you know? And Greg's, like, such a nice guy that he'll, he, he, he will answer basically any question, and he doesn't withhold information. Like, a lot of coaches will withhold and, and say nothing. Greg just gives you everything. So you kind of have to, there's, there's a line there. You don't want to end up on, on the list of guys that he think. I got a lesson in Greg. The first question I ever asked him was when they first trotted out the three five two, two five, years ago. Five three two, James? It was a three five two. <laughs> yeah, I, lo I love this discussion, by the way. <laughs> Saving that for Benny. I know, when Bill said that, I, I, I spit out my drink, actually, at home when he said that. I thought, oh my gosh, here we go. I try. I, I did stifle. Um, yeah, yeah. One of I those. know. Because like, come on, come on. I mean, yeah, but no. Whereas I'm sitting next to him and I'm trying to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
All right, we should probably like do this thing. Yeah, that'd be great. Since we're just sitting that'd around chatting. Well, we finished the podcast before the podcast, which is always a, <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun too. Yo, dog. I heard you like podcasting, so I put a podcast in your podcast. You podcast, podcast. I saw a truck. <laughs> podcast about podcasting. I saw a truck, like a, a big truck with another truck on the back of it, and all I could think of was that <laughs> exhibit meme. <laughs> you dog. I heard you like trucks. <laughs> Steve brought chocolate. It's he true. Did. I mean, and the you. kids aren't even crying, so that's perfect. Crying. Well, they, they may be, we just can't hear them. <laughs> <laughs> that makes the chocolate all the more delicious. The tears of the unicorn. Your tears are so delicious. <laughs> Accentuates the chocolate. <laughs> Minnesota has shown some. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Shown, shown, shown. They're shown, shown. Yeah, oh. they did. Whoa. 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 Yes. All right. Do you need a translator? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not gonna. I'm not. I, re- I realize the absurdity of this. Say is Duncan that, live from Darlington. Throw a live from Darlington. Is that is that you? You are throwing to yourself, and then I play Tony, pretending to be you, complimenting the version of yourself you're becoming to become Duncan. <laughs> you have been watching Boom. way too much Rick and Morty. Oh my God! <laughs> I know. Uh. So apparently these shrimp Jake crackers... Jake Kristen, I don't know if we can make it through this podcast. <laughs> apparently You're just going to have to deal, uh, deal with it. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to work on my rig. My oh morning's my pretty sad. Apparently these shrimp crackers, what? 